Amen. Oh hey, it's been a while. I haven't seen you guys. Well, hey, if you guys don't mind, I just want to give a quick hand to our tech team and our worship band because uh, they have put in some work. <laughs> just want to tell you that. <laughs> the last uh, six months have been anything but ordinary. Uh, but I hope you guys are all doing well today, whether you're here today in person uh, or online. I hope you are doing well. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. You probably haven't seen me unless you're watching on TV. Then you saw me. <laughs> but hey, we're in this uh, series called Countercultural, and uh, Pastor Tim did a great job of kicking us off two weeks ago. Uh, and after last week's message, I, I went home and I sat down and I was like, I was like, man, I have to follow that. I was like, that was good. <laughs> but uh, he's been really challenging to us, and I hope if you haven't had time to watch those that you would go back and watch those. Uh, but in a world that seems so divided, so polar opposite, you have uh, your far left, far right political spectrum, mask wearing, not mask wearing, everything that Tim addressed last week with loving the people around us. 2020 has been a wild ride for all of us. <laughs> we are all feeling it. And today, I want us to think about our community and, and not just the place that you live, but today I want you to think about being a part of a countercultural community that is on a mission for Jesus. How does the church look and act different than the rest of the world? I want us to start uh, by asking ourselves, what kind of community is it that Jesus would have wanted us to have? What qualities should we have as believers to create the kind of community that is different than the rest of the world? And I absolutely love talking about community and how to find community, how to love better in community, how to be better loved by your community. I love hearing the stories of life change from community. And if you've been around grace for any amount of time, you know that one of our core values here is that I can't do life alone. We fully believe that, that you need other people around you that are challenging you to become more and more like Jesus through community. But there's this underlying catch with community. <laughs> it involves people. <laughs> and people can be hard to love sometimes, right? <laughs> we can be hard to love sometimes <laughs> because we're people. We all have our, our own expectations or experiences. And honestly, people can just get cranky. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but I am hardest to love when I'm either hungry or tired. You can ask Stacy. Um, whenever I get hot, it's like the world is ending. Like yesterday, it was like only 88 degrees and I thought I was melting. But people are hard to love. But hey, turn your Bible with me this morning to Matthew 22. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. It's been a while. Uh, but before we jump in, I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank you uh, that even in this season of life, uh, that you are still God. Lord, that you are the rock that we can go back to over and over again uh, when, when nothing else seems steady, <laughs> when, when service times change, when our jobs change, uh, when everything on, going on around us changes. Lord, you are the steadfastness in our life. Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, most of you, if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, know where we're headed today. We're talking about the greatest commandments that were ever given to us from Jesus. So here we go, Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. 
one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, referring to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And I want us to dive a bit deeper here and read the same story again, but from the book of Mark 12, 28, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? This is the Pharisees asking. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So did we, did we get that? Do we know who the Pharisees are? Because they were the keepers of the law of that time. And they were asking Jesus, the Messiah, which one of, of these commandments was the greatest? They had over 600 laws from the book of Leviticus or other sources that they would have been following. And the Pharisees were asking, out of all 600 plus of these laws, which one was the greatest? And I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus says here, uh, because Jesus just has a way with really getting under people's skin sometimes with his words. He replies, the most important one. And then he gave them the first commandment. But then he takes it a step further and says, here's the second one. And it is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I kind of feel like in a way, Jesus kind of oversimplified this. And I imagine he did that on purpose, but, but I kind of always get stuck on this. Why, why would Jesus have said, here is one? Why would he have answered their question, here is one, and then added a second, right? This would have been a slap in the face to the Pharisees. This was their job. This was their livelihood. This is what they did. They knew the law. And Jesus's response to the Pharisees was, was countercultural. And here's why. I'm going to read some passages from chapter 19 of Leviticus. Uh, in verse 11, it says this. I'm just going to read. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not prefer justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do you get the point? <laughs> you're, left, you're left asking like, okay, like what, well, what can I actually do? <laughs> Right? These, are, these, are, uh, uh, these laws are good. No one would argue that, that these things aren't good. I mean, I don't want people stealing from me or endangering me, but this is a list of don'ts. It's a massive list of rules. And Jesus comes in and, and with these two commandments that were in stark contrast to these laws of the Pharisees. It's not that the laws or the commands were different in nature, but how they were presented was very, very different. And this is what I don't want you to miss about Jesus' countercultural counter answer to the Pharisees. The law of the Pharisees were about laws of don'ts. 
They were behavior modification on a huge scale. They knew that if you didn't do these things, uh, that you wouldn't be a model citizen. They were intimidating laws. They were exclusive. They were anything but easy to follow. As soon as you broke one, you broke them all. And on the other hand, you have Jesus' commandments. There were a lot of things, but today I want to focus on two things about these commandments. The first commandment that Jesus gives was an invitation. And the second one was how to show that you accepted that invitation. Miss this. Jesus was inviting everyone there and us into a relationship with God. That's what Jesus is about, relationship. That line, love your father with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul, that's an invitation into relationship. It's an invitation into a community of following Jesus and accepting the invitation to love God is the first step into having a counter-cultural relationship and community. Jesus's invitation to many of his disciples was what? Two words, follow me. These two simple words were an invitation into a relationship. And that's why Jesus's commandments here were so countercultural. He gives us these, these due actions and these two profound statements. And this was countercultural at that time, that Jesus would have boiled all those laws down to this. It was an upside down thought that we would have been invited into a relationship with him. This relationship with with the Messiah, the Son of God, the person that would eventually take all of our sins away. Right? The, The Pharaoh or the king of that time, they would have never invited someone like us into a relationship with them. Unless they they had something to gain from it. But Jesus, the King of Kings, did exactly that. He invited us into a relationship where he gains nothing from it. But we have everything to gain. And that's the beauty in following Jesus. He's he's not forceful. He's patient with us. He's he's meek. He's slow to anger. He's kind. He's understanding. (laughs) And the second part of this counter-cultural commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. This second part is in a way a litmus test to help us understand where we are after accepting that first invitation into a relationship with God. It shows us where we fall short and where we need to grow. Are we not being patient with someone? Are we not being kind? Are we being slow to anger? Basically summed up, are we being a good neighbor to the rest of the world? Are we not hot-headed when someone gets our order wrong or we have to wait too long for our food? Uh, Side story, uh, not too long ago, Tacey, Elliot, and I went to Tomato Bar to eat up in Crown Point. Um, great pizza, great wings. You should totally go, but that's not the point. Uh, But long story short, we've been there before. Never, ever have we had an issue. So my expectations, my my earthly people expectations were high, right? Well, this time was different. (laughs) It took them about 50 minutes to get our pizza. Uh, We saw multiple tables around us be served first uh, after they sat down after us. Um, And our waiter was being nothing but super patient updated us on the food, apologized time after time. Um, but when the pizza finally came out, um, eating pizza with, at that time, a five-month-old was not easy. Uh, Elliot was ready to go. <laughs> and I was starting to get frustrated, 
right? There was a crying baby. Our food was taking forever. Um, and, I, and we started to go to Aldi after that to get groceries, which is why we were eating out in the first place. But this wasn't the service that I knew and loved from them. My expectations weren't met. So when the pizza finally came, uh, I asked for a box immediately, super short, super, super snarky, with our waiter who really hadn't done anything wrong. And he kept apologizing. He was nothing but nice. And I could feel the rage like bursting within me that he was being so nice. And this is one of those moments in my life I wish I could have back. It wasn't over the top in the way I reacted. I didn't yell at the guy. I even, you know, gave him a tip. But I still felt it inside. And the rest of the night and honestly, much of the next day, I just, I just wish I could have apologized. And I hope I still get that chance one day. So yeah, in the moment, I wasn't loving my neighbor, the guy that was right next to me. But being a good neighbor is more than just loving people, right? It's, it also shows the world around us that we as Christ followers are different. Our love of others should be different than the rest of the world's. And if you're saying, well, why, why would we ever care to show the world that we are different, right? They're sinners, they're idiots, whatever. That's the point, <laughs> right? What was Jesus' commandment when he left earth? Go make disciples. <laughs> In other words, go invite people into relationship and love them. <laughs> he didn't say only invite the people you like. He said, invite all the nations and tribes into this relationship. Invite everybody. And here's the other thing. We can't expect the people that haven't done the first part of this commandment to do the second one. If someone that doesn't follow Jesus isn't loving us the way that Jesus has taught us, should we be surprised? No, They haven't done the first part of the commandment. They're not following God. And this isn't a place to throw our two cents in either about whether it's our job to say if someone accepted that invitation or not. Our job as Christ followers is to love others. That's the second part of the command. And I think oftentimes we think that being in a relationship with God is different than being in a relationship uh, with people around us. And in some ways it is. I don't go around saying, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty to any of you. Um, but being in a relationship with people is oftentimes a reflection of how we view God. That's why Jesus didn't just give us the first commandment. He gave us both. Uh, Can we agree on something today? In a world that hates agreeing on things. (laughs) Guys, we're in a dark place. And I don't mean just the world, I mean the church. (laughs) is in a dark place. This, this overwhelming, looming feeling of darkness. And I'm going to be blunt with you guys. We don't always do the best job of not adding to that darkness and hate. We don't always do a great job of loving our neighbors. And I'm not talking about your physical neighbors that are right next door to you. Living out here, some of us don't even have neighbors. We need to do a better job of loving our brothers and sisters in Christ that we disagree with on things that aren't eternal. I think it's easy to put a mask on, uh, no pun intended, to the outside world that that we're a great Christian, 
Our life is great. Our kids are great. Uh, my life is great. Uh, but then we say stuff like this. We say, God, I, I love you, but I hate the Democrats. I wish they would just leave the country. We say, God, I love you, <laughs> but Trump voters, I wish they would just leave the country. You say, I love you, God, but then, but then we blast someone who disagrees with us. Friends, that's not love, that's hate. Look at these words in 1 John 4. It says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. John didn't really hold back there, did he? (laughs) For if anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is exactly what I mean by saying the second commandment is a litmus test as to whether or not we understand the first one. We can't say, I love God and not love a brother and sister in Christ. We can disagree. We can be angry at people, slow to anger. (laughs) We don't even have to be best friends. But there's a thin line between not doing all that and not loving someone. Are we being patient with people? Are you slow to anger when someone disagrees with you? Are you slow to anger at someone else when they disagree with you? Are you using words to build each other up instead of tear a person down that thinks differently than you? We oftentimes think that we can just have a great relationship with God and praise him on Sunday, but want nothing to do with other people. And friends, I'm here to tell you that cannot be the case. It's not in the nature of who God is. It's not in the nature of who a follower of Jesus should be. Friends, if we want if we want everyone we disagree with to just leave the country or unfriend them on Facebook, our world is going to, be, to continue to be a dark place. Uh, Pastor Tim said this last week, and I want to re-say it. Uh, God didn't create division. He created diversity. Because here's the truth about the second commandment, guys. It's like the first one, whether we like it or not. Whether we agree with someone over political parties or not, Jesus didn't just add that second commandment in there as a bonus feature on a DVD for no one to ever watch. The second commandment is like it. It is part of the command. We can't get away with just loving God because to fully love God means that we must love others. If I could use... The analogy that Jesus does in the Gospels, we are called to be the light of the world as Christ followers. And uh, here's the thing about lights. You don't want to miss this. Uh, It's huge. Uh, They make light. They make a super dark room glow. And he uses another analogy that that we're not to be lamps on a hill under under a bowl. Uh, And here's the thing about lamps. Um, They don't exist just to work, right? Lamps don't, no one just made a lamp and was like, what a lamp. No, we make lamps to make light. Similarly, we don't exist to just be here or to follow Jesus. We exist to be a light to the rest of the world. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't mean that we have to be the biggest light or produce the most light, but we are called to be a light wherever we are. 
even in a season like this. We are light bearers of the love and hope of Jesus on this planet. What a responsibility. In this worldly, earthly, broken COVID-19 kingdom, we are supposed to be the people that bring hope. We are the people that are supposed to bring love. Do we really understand who we are as Jesus followers? Do we really understand the, the calling of the following of Jesus? Do we even understand the invitation that Jesus is inviting us into? Because it is not easy. Nothing about following the radical teachings of Jesus in the 21st century is easy. Uh, Tacey said this a few days ago to me, and uh, it kind of took me back a little bit and stopped me in my tracks. We were outside uh, playing disc golf. If you don't know what that is, it's literally Frisbee at a Target. If you boil all sports down to just that, they all sound dumb. But neither here nor there. (laughs) But she asked me, do you wish I was more athletic or more into sports? And some context for you, I, I love sports. Like, I, I feel like I'm the most competitive person in the world. If you said you were more competitive than me, I would tell you I'm more competitive than you. Like, I could be playing uh, horseshoes with the best horseshoe player in the world. I don't know why I'd be doing that. I would feel like I would win. That's just who I am. <laughs> so when she asked me that, you know, I was like, babe, of course not. I don't want you to change. But my mind immediately was like, man, we are really different in that aspects of our lives. We agreed early on in our marriage that we would never be cornhole partners because she hates competing in anything. And I hate losing at cornhole, right? It's the great Midwesterner in me that knows the prestige that comes with cornhole skills or bags as some of you guys call it. But regardless of Tacey and I's differences or preferences in sports or many other things just like it, it's who we are as a couple. It makes us function. Just like the body of Christ, we would be really, really boring if we were all the exact same. And sometimes we have to remember this about the world. It doesn't revolve around us. If I had a dollar uh, for every time my mom told me that growing up, well, I'd have a lot of dollars. (laughs) The world is bigger than us. The kingdom of God is bigger than us. Jesus in John 3.16 said for what? For God so loved the world. He didn't say that that he only loved the people that agreed with him. He didn't say that he only loved Americans. He didn't say that he only loved Democrats or Republicans. He came to save the world. He came for everyone. Church, if we want to show what love really is to our non-Christian brothers and sisters, I think it's time to start being a light in the darkness. Can we start loving our brothers and sisters that disagree with us on things that have nothing to do with eternal issues? No one in heaven right now is worrying about who they voted for or COVID-19. We are here right now for a reason. We are the ones that are supposed to set the tones for how other people love each other. We are the ones that should be looking that people should be looking to in a time of crisis. 
and people should be seeing how we react. It should show more about God, the God we follow than anything else. Friends, if we're sharing our political agendas or gossiping about people or judging someone for what they are or aren't doing, more than sharing the love of Jesus to our neighbors, we're part of the problem. If we're showing the world that the people from the same church aren't any different than the rest of the world and arguing about everything going on, how are we ever supposed to be the light in the darkness? Friends, we're better than that. I know most of you, you're better than that. This isn't easy. None of it is. It hasn't been an easy year for any of us. I don't care (laughs) what you feel with COVID-19, whether it's a conspiracy theory, it's real, whatever. None of us can go anywhere at any time without hearing the words COVID-19. No one is exempt from the sufferings of this world, but that doesn't mean we have to respond the same way the world does. Friends, I I wanna encourage you. When Jesus gave us these commandments, when he invited us into that relationship, he knew what he was doing. Can we agree on that? He didn't just add that second commandment in there just because. He added it because he knew that the people that accepted the first part would want to do the second. He knew what the world would always need. He would need followers of Jesus to be his hands and feet to a broken world. Friends, we have a choice to make. If you accepted that first part of the commandment, are we going to live out the second part? Are we going to choose love when it doesn't seem like like anyone else is loving people? Are we gonna choose peace, not only for, for someone else's sake, but for our own heart? Choose to be the light of the world because we need it. The world needs it. Be the difference that you can be in this world, and we will start to see what countercultural communities that are passionate about following Jesus and loving others will actually look like. Friends, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Would you guys stand and sing with me?